This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 15, with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight, Daryl Cooper. Good evening, Daryl. Good evening. So, I'm in Task Unit Bruiser, and I am the commander of Task Unit Bruiser, which is a, sounds like a real arrogant thing to say, but I was the guy that was in charge, and we deployed, we did a workup, we deployed, we came back. When we came back, Leif, so there's two platoon commanders, Leif and Seth. Leif, when we got back, he went to the junior officer training course and he started running that. I moved into the training detachment and started running the training for SEALs getting ready to, for the SEAL platoons and task units getting ready to deploy to Iraq and Afghanistan. And then Seth actually stepped up and took my job as task unit commander. And so he took over task unit bruiser in a way, but actually in a way he didn't because because they 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 split up task unit bruiser. When we got back, they they took all those as many guys as they could and they sp- spread them into other task units because it was just too, too it was just too much. It was too much f- like force. To have all these guys. So, you know, Seth kept some of the guys, but it was mostly new guys. So that they didn't even really call themselves Task Unit Bruiser. There was a, maybe a little semblance left over, but Seth took my job. So in the SEAL teams, we have this thing. I don't want to make it like it's that big of a thing, but we had this thing called a, we call it the Ouija board is what we called it. And what it is is it's a, it's basically a magnet board. And there's one at the whole command, and then the whole command they have on this magnet board of everyone that's at the command, they have a little magnet that has your picture on it, your name, your rank, and maybe what qualifications you have. And there's one of those in the Master Chief's office that's, you know, huge, like a big blackboard in school with whatever, 200 people on it. But then in a task unit, you'll have one too. And so we had one in the task unit. We had the Ouija board. And well, when I was the task unit commander, when we got home, I I was the top of the I was the top of the Ouija board. And then when Seth stepped up and became the task unit commander, well, he moved up to the top. And but he didn't take me off. What he did with me was he kind of slid my picture over to the right. He was actually put it above him, and then he put a little. He put like a little cartoon, I think they call it a little cartoon call out, so it looked like I was saying, so there was words coming out of my mouth. Just had me giving him some simple instruction, and that simple instruction was, don't fuck it up. <laughs> and, and it was something that I had said to him, you know, he was, he was going out while he was working for me, when I was the task unit commander, he was working for me and he was going out, we were doing some training and he had like a, a smaller mission to go out on pretty early on. And it was something that was, it was like gonna be a challenge, but it was pretty simple and pretty straightforward. And he looked like he was, you know, maybe could use a little confidence boost. And I was like, dude, this is no factor, you got this. And then he, he kind of like had, in, in a split second, had a little overconfident look in his face. And so I said, don't fuck it up. <laughs> you brought him back down and he went and did it. You know, we laughed about it. But it's true. It's actually 
it's actually true and it was true on the Ouija board and he knew that it was true on the Ouija board and he the Ouija board is lit is literally sitting in front of his desk so when he would look up from his desk he sees the Ouija board he sees all of his troops and he sees me and and that little call out saying don't fuck it up and he knew it was the truth because it's the best job in the world best job in the world being in a SEAL platoon or being in a SEAL task unit and being in a leadership role is an honor to be in that situation. You got all these you got all these guys that are actually relying on you to do a good job and make the right decisions and to not fuck it up. And he didn't. He didn't. He did a great job as a, as a task unit commander, and when he went overseas, another interesting thing was, you know, he was pretty. the 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 deployment to Ramadi was freaking hard, and he did I don't know how many operations, but it was a shit ton, and you know, had a bunch of guys wounded right before we came home. You know, he had he had Mikey killed, and it was rough. And so when he was getting ready to, when, when we got back, he wasn't quite sure what he was going to do. And I said, listen, man, do the task unit commander. I go, the, things are chilling out. You'll go over there. It's not going to be a big deal. I'm in charge of training. It'll be fun. <laughs> and, you know, once you get overseas, you know, it'll just be no factor. There's not, the, the war is going to be settled down. It's a year and a half away. Well, sure enough, he gets over there expecting to have this mellow deployment and, um, when some of the army leadership found out that there was guys from task unit bruiser back in country they sent out a request for forces but it was very specific it was like we would like to have approximately this many seals with this kind of experience and they might as well have said you know six foot one blonde hair shaved head blue-eyed commander of that unit like wanting stoner so but that's what happened. And they, they put together a crew and went into, executed a bunch of uh, operations in Sadr City and Baghdad that, were, that was, they were f- extremely effective operations. And the insurgent leadership inside Sadr City, Sadr City had been a total disaster for the entire war up until that was 2008. So for five straight years, Sadr City had been really horrible and his task unit rolled in there and and they killed a lot of bad guys and the insurgent leaders i think it was about six weeks of operations that they did they killed hundreds of bad guys and then the insurgent leadership in there surrendered they basically surrendered all right we're good so that was it so then he finished that uh, eventually came home and you know he continued on with his career i retired and and Fast forward a few years. Actually, you fast forward from 2008 to 2017, so almost a decade, and Seth got killed in a in a parachute accident. And and so I no longer, you know, have uh, the ability to offer him any advice or anything like that. And I don't have the opportunity to tell him to not fuck things up. But it's it's interesting because I was thinking about this the other day and 
it's like the roles have been reversed. And now I think probably Seth is looking down on me and he sees me, he sees my life, he sees the freedom that that I have, that we have, the opportunity that we all have, the opportunity to do more and and make ourselves better and help more people and 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 have an impact on the world. And I can I can imagine and I do imagine that he's sitting there looking down on me. And he's saying the same thing. He's telling me the same thing that I told him which is don't fuck it up. And why am I saying this? Why am I why am I why am I reciting this story? Um it's because it's actually really good advice. It's actually really good advice for us all to take. It's it's simple, it's straightforward, and it actually makes sense. When you are making decisions, if you think through what you're doing and you overlay the simple principle of not fucking it up, you'll see that life's filled with all kinds of opportunities and chances and things are gonna get hard and there's gonna be challenges, of course, but there's people out there and there's experiences you can have and they're all sitting right there in front of you. So don't fuck it up. Straightforward advice, right? I think so. Yeah. It's similar advice. Uh, I've I've given other. I think I think this was JP. It was. I don't know if I gave it to JP or I was. We were talking about someone else, but it was. Uh, don't do dumb shit. Yeah. Like this is another great piece of advice. Yeah. Because how many people do you know have sent their lives into a freaking downward spiral because they're doing dumb shit? If you can just not do dumb shit and don't fuck it up, you're going to be on a pretty good path. Yeah, yeah I wonder why that is. That, why, why people do dumb shit? No, like uh, <laughs> the difference between doing dumb shit just if you're not told versus when you are told it's kind of like oh wait I'm not supposed to do dumb shit and then you kind of won't in a way yeah. like if you if you keep it in mind you know even though it seems pretty obvious like what do you call like doesn't need to be said or whatever mm-hmm. but it kind of helps when it, it's said if it gives you that one more millisecond filter on your decision making process yeah. to say you know what this is some dumb shit right now <laughs> yeah but it's almost like it makes it official you know, like, hey, you you just literally broke the rule right now. And it's like, oh, man, I broke that rule. But yeah. if you don't say it, it's like, well, that's not really a rule. Yeah. And you can justify the guy was saying the wrong thing. He stepped on my foot, whatever, yeah. you know, elicits the dumb shit. Dumb shit. But if it's a rule, it's almost like a little psychological thing. Yeah. Um, language wise, you know, we, we, we early on, we had like a podcast about like not swearing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was basically saying, hey, you know, it's doesn't really, in many cases, doesn't help your message, especially if you're talking to a broad audience, you know, who's listening, et cetera, et cetera. I got recordings of me debriefing SEALs, and it's just F-bomb. It's F-carpet bombing. <laughs> it's carpet bombing. There's one every three sentences. I I sent it out to the, the dudes from Echelon Front. I sent, like, a little clip out. I was just F-bomb, F-bomb. And the, the interesting thing is I'm talking about, I'm talking about the exact same things 
that I talk about all the time right now. Yeah. The first one I sent him was me talking about cover and move. Mm. And I, you know, I'm sitting there saying, and I'm talking to a SEAL task unit that's going through some training, and I'm saying, you guys heard me fucking say cover and move? You fucking heard me say that shit? There's a fucking reason why I say that shit. The fucking reason I say that is because if you're out there in the fucking street and you're fucking moving and walking and you're fucking shooting positions all fucked up, and guess what? You fucking continue to walk. Well, if someone's not covering your movement, you're gonna get fucking shot. So you need one of your buddies fucking 20 meters away that's got a fucking locked on position that when somebody comes out and fucks with you, they're gonna murder that motherfucker. <laughs> that, that's 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 that that's like there. literally the debris. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard. Yeah, that's where even you saying it right now, it's kind of like, yeah, that's the same content, essentially. It is. It's the same content, man. But it gives it this like air of like, hey, this is this is like the hostile version. Mm-hmm. This is the 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 real bullets, hostile hostile. Everything's on the line version yeah. of what you, you know, how you say it now. Yeah. Now it's sort of like, hey, these principles, you know, if you follow, you can be successful Wait, in everything all, you do. Now all of a sudden I say it like a nerd? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. A little bit. Comparatively speaking, sorry. I don't, yeah, I don't say bit. it like a nerd. Well. Like you okay. just, I don't, hey, these are the principles. I don't do that. That's what I heard. I say this is cover move. Now, yes, all, basically, I just remove one word multiple times. Multiple times. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's life in a SEAL platoon. There's a lot of f bombs getting dropped. Yeah. The the first time my my son ever saw me swear mm. was it wasn't just like one. He saw me debriefing a SEAL platoon. Oh, for you know, real? He was like <laughs> seven, year, seven years old. Zero to a hundred. He was yeah. zero to a hundred. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was zero to a hundred, and, and I got done. His face, his eyes were real big, and he was like, "Oh shit, this is my dad." Damn. <laughs> So, uh, yep. Good advice. Don't do dumb shit. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, that's run a, your run your decision making process through those two filters. Give yeah. that a shot. Yeah, it's interesting when you come across people who have fucked it up, whatever it might be, a marriage, people who went to college for a little while and then dropped out or whatever. When you actually go over and like go through the checklist with them. Ninety-nine percent of the time, you find out that it was really basic, basic yeah. stuff that they weren't doing. Like you, you dropped out of college after a year and a half. Did you show up to class every day prepared and do all of your assignments? Well, I, well, I no. think it's just like, did you show up to class? Let's get Period. that. It's like, it's like, dude, if you if you show up to class every day and you do the assignments that they give you, you don't have to get A's on them. Show up and do them. You're gonna be fine. Like there's, mm-hmm. you know, very, very few people that they're going to let into a university that does not have the capacity to handle it if they just show yeah. up. Well, they want you to stay in there because they want right. to milk you for the rest of that money. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just really across the board, you know. People have messed up marriages. Go through the checklist. Like were you being honest with her about things? Were you blah, blah, just down the line. And it turns out that, no, there's just very basic fundamental things that you know personally mm. are right. stupid and that you should not be doing. But you – yeah, and I thought you were going to say you run through the basic check checklist. Like, okay, you 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 didn't make it through college. You have to drop out after a year. Did you do dumb shit? Yes, I did. Yeah. That did you fuck it up? Yes, I did. They know it. Yeah, you didn't have to get granular. No. Yeah, it's almost like you messed it up. Did dumb shit because no one told you not to. Almost kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it feels if like. If someone sometimes. just said, "Hey, don't do dumb shit when you're in college," and you're like, "Okay, I'm about to drink a." Whatever I'm about to do a keg Kick stand, stand on uh, on a Tuesday night when I have an examination <laughs> tomorrow. Is this 
smart maneuver or is this dumb shit? Almost everybody can positively identify that as some dumb shit. Yes, I think. Right? Yeah, thanks. There you go. Yeah. You did true. dumb shit, now you're not in college. You did dumb shit, now you're now your wife's leaving you. Whatever the case may be. You're doing dumb shit, you lost your job. Yeah. Don't do dumb shit. Yes. Yeah, that's it. uh you ever heard of the, this where I don't know what I saw it on some video. It's not a prank. It's like a, like a what do you call social experiment kind of a thing where yeah. there's like a line at a I don't know whether it be grocery store or whatever, and then people come and say, "Hey, could I can I cut in front of you?" You know, and then if they don't give a reason, the people will be like, "Oh, they'll show a lot of resistance." They'll be like, "No, like you know," or ask everyone behind or there whatever. Mm-hmm. But if they just give a reason, it can be a a regular insignificant reason. As long as they give a reason, they'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. You just get a reason, right? Yeah, I bet, so, so I bet some of that is from psychologically humanizing yourself to that individual. So if I walk up to you and go, can I cut in line? You don't know anything about me. If I go, hey, can I cut in line? My, my, my daughter's, you know, at home, and I, I just got a call that she's, you know, alone. My wife yeah. had to leave. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. A little humanized. Yeah, because it kind of puts – so it's like a little – almost like a little psychological trigger, right, that – because if, if one person cuts in line, it's kind of like, is that a big deal? No, it's not a big deal. In fact, yeah, you give me this much of a reason, I'll let you cut in line. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, next. I can be in a hurry. I'll still let you cut in line. You just give me that much of a reason. So it's not that big a deal, obviously. But if someone, like, just sort of cuts in front of you, bro, Ooh. you know how mad you get? Bro, so where's, like this, where's this tie-in? It's like these psychological triggers and uh. cues. So, like, if someone says something so obvious, hey, don't do dumb shit. I'm like, dang, <laughs> good thing you told me because I was about to go do a bunch of, d-. you know, it's like it's not like that. You know, this. I hope that this doesn't happen because, you know, people get, like, discipline equals freedom tattoo or a good tattoo. Yeah. I hope people aren't getting don't do dumb shit tattooed on their forearm. Because <laughs> like, that's what that would qualify as. That yeah. would qualify as dumb shit. <laughs> it's like, what, is, what do you call that, an oxy? Oxy, yeah. Or something some like. ir- irony or something. <laughs> Uh, anyway, all right, let's get some Q&A. What do we got? Q&A, okay. I'm curious about your thoughts on something. To make a long story short, my wife and I moved to with our infant son, two years old, or two years ago from a city we loved to a new city that I don't particularly like. We moved here to be near the family or near family, which has been good, but for the most part, I find myself hating this place. The weather, the people, the culture, state and local government – are all very foreign to me coming from Texas. To make this question more broad, basically I want to know how do you make the best of a situation that you're stuck in that you don't want to be in? Assuming I'm stuck here, is it possible to have such a positive attitude that I can trick myself into liking it here? How exactly do you learn to love something that you're not convinced or that you are convinced you hate? Look, if you start looking at things through a negative lens, Everything's gonna start to look negative. That attitude's gonna eat you up. I I know, like for me, if I go out to dinner and the, let's say the service is slow, nothing, like the food's not gonna taste good to me. Like I'll just be, oh, this is horrible and the waitress is lazy and the food's no good and why does it smell like smoke in here? You know what I mean? It's everything, it's just gonna be bad. So don't let that happen. Um, and in a situation like this, you know, I'm looking at what, instead of looking at what I can't do, I'm looking at what I can do. And then beyond that, I'm just going to keep it real. I hate, I hate to just come off the top ropes like this, but I'm gonna. Um, 
when I start feeling like this, I realize that all my little frustrations and negativity are petty and freaking pathetic. I mean, there's guys that made the Baton Death March, right? Mm-hmm. There's people in that, that, that were in the North Korean prison camp. We did the podcast with the guy, we did the podcast about the guy, and the guy's so hungry, he's by the sewer area, and he sees like seedlings in someone else's shit, and he picks them out and eats them. Or Charlie Plum, right? Mm. Hanoi Hilton, six years. It's like, I hate to go hard, but are you kidding me? We're mad because it's not the perfect environment that I'm used to. It's not happening. So not only am I going to to not hate it, I'm actually gonna be relishing this situation. I'm actually gonna be like, oh, this is freaking awesome. I'm so lucky I get to be here and that's gonna shift my mind sh- mindset in the right direction. Another thing I'll do is I'll go hard, uh, like at officer candidate school, at, and it, see, basic SEAL training, buds. Like I just was, oh, this is what you want me to do? You want me to get wet and sandy? Cool, watch this. I would get so wet and sandy, put sand in my mouth the whole nine yards. At officer candidate school, you want me to freaking yell everything? Cool, watch this. I'm yelling everything so loud that it annoys you, mm. my, upperclassmen, you tell me to, I can't do that anymore. So go hard, figure out how to make it fun, man. Look, what, 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 whatever city you're going to now, there's some different sport you can do. There's some opportunity you can start doing whatever, bow hunting or wherever you're at. There's some new thing there, go and do it. You ever find too, like you mentioned Charlie Plum and the Hanoi Hilton. Mm. Charlie Plum was actually stuck. Our friend here, he's not stuck. He could abandon his family, leave mm-hmm. his wife and kid up there and leave, right? He could do that. He could convince his wife that we just need, there's an out. Mm-hmm. And in a way, like if you were stuck, then you could be like, okay, I got to figure out how to just deal with this situation and be here and be happy with what I've got, whatever. And sometimes, you know, when you think you have this little out, that's what builds up little resentments. It's what's, what makes you notice things. It what's, you know, it's what makes you sort of like think about a situation that you could be in other than the one you're in. And sometimes you just got to make a decision. You move there because you want you know, your son your, or, or daughter, I can't remember, your child to be around his grandparents. You want to be around your wife. All of these things, you made that decision. But you have to finalize that decision if that's what you're going to do. You have priorities. Your priority is like the family. And that's that. And then once you finalize that decision and put everything else out of your mind, now you're stuck and now you can actually start focusing on dealing with the situation, you know? You know what's interesting? I don't agree with that. Well, you going to apply that? <laughs> so, so, so this, okay. it's, it, well, it's just a different way of looking at it. So I actually, speaking of Stoner, I, I used to have this conversation with Stoner. Um, when So Stoner would like sometimes be like, Dude, the freaking teams, I, these people are idiots. I've got this per bad command. Whatever. He'd have problems, right? I'm like, oh, go back to the fleet. I wouldn't say go back to the fleet. I'd be like, I'd be like, bro, you can get out. And once he once he'd be like, Well, yeah, I guess I could. So now now he doesn't feel yeah. trapped. Yeah. And now he'd be like, Oh, cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Or he'd be mad about like wherever he got stationed at such a place or he's on this deployment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he would get mad about it. I'd be like, Well, tell tell your commander you just you need to leave. 
yeah. or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, I used to tell this story. I was like locked up one time. And, um, Wait, what? Locked up? Wow. Yeah, like I was a kid and got a fight or whatever. Oh, you went to jail yeah, straight yeah, up. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so I'm a little bit locked up, and <laughs> <laughs> just sort of locked up, just kind of. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember thinking I'm like standing next to the bars, like in a cell. I'm with the, in a cell with some other like juvenile delinquent kid. And so I, I and I remember I'm thinking I'm standing next to the bars, and I feel like I'm locked up. And so then I walk back away from the bars and like sit down and start talking to my cellmate. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I got some room to move. <laughs> and so I used to tell Stoner, I'd say, hey, man, st- step back away from the bars, dude. There's, you, you don't, you're not trapped. There's room to move. Yeah. So it's a little bit of the opposite of the theory that you have. Sort of. I, I would say it's a, it's, a, it's a different way of getting at the same place, though, in a way. Where it's like, because wh- what you're saying is like, look, make a decision. Don't be half in, half out. That's really the key, right? No, like, I think it's I think it's more like if you realize you could. It, I, that's where I thought you were going with it. Look, hey, if you want to leave, yeah, you can leave. Because they did that to me when I was in the Navy. The first couple of years of my Navy time, I was a pain in the ass, malcontent, and I was just a nightmare for the chain of command. And then I got a, a good leader who came in and set me straight by saying exactly that. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, this isn't like World War II. We're not going to throw you in jail for like <laughs> getting out before your term, like. The old man will actually sign the papers, and he'll give you dishonorable or an honorable discharge if you want. Like, no harm, no foul. You can leave if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. And every day that you don't leave, you're kind of reenlisting for 24 hours, right? So you can't really be complaining about everything that's going on around here. And I was like, I literally flipped that. That's it, dude. That's it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You, you got you, – your leader gave you the same talk that I gave to Stoner, which was like, hey, man, you, you can get out. Put your papers in. Yeah. You can get out. Go. You want to go freaking travel around France or whatever it is you want to do? Go travel around France. Get out. Yeah. You don't have to be here. Yeah. And that's the same thing with this dude. You don't have to be there. Yeah. And it is like you, people might say, well, it's not the same. He's got family, blah, blah. But no, no, no. For, for Seth, leaving the teams, is you're losing a lot. You're giving oh, up a yeah. lot. I mean, it's, you know, so, there, you know, there's sacrifice to be made if, you, you know, if you're really that unhappy. But, you know. I know yeah. this from experience because uh, I was kind of, not in the moving capacity, mm-hmm. but like I've experienced this in this position where it's like, I don't want to go there, but I kind of gotta, you know, whatever. And so I'd go through it with a bad attitude. I have done that before. And then for whatever reason, I, I went through it with a good attitude. Same place, by the way. And I realized, oh, wait, like me having a bad attitude ruins it for everybody, mm-hmm. not just me. And then when you go with it with a good attitude, it makes it better for everybody, not just me, for everybody. So you can be kind of the little spoiler, you know, mm-hmm. just because, oh, you're just thinking about yourself, you know, yeah. and, and the whole situation is literally you're doing it for other people is just what he said. You know, we have a son, we're going, you know, near family and mm-hmm. all these other benefits or whatever. Oh, but for me, I don't like this stuff for me, you know, yeah. so I'm going to ruin it for everybody. Essentially, maybe yeah. he doesn't realize he's doing that kind of stuff, but I and I didn't either. And then, yeah, when I kind of realized that, um, I kind of thought, man, I don't know if there's any, there's no benefit to having a bad attitude that I can think of. And there's only upside for having a good attitude. Like, you'll never regret having a good attitude about something. And let me tell you, long term, when you go around looking out for yourself and you screw over your family or you screw over your friends or whatever, how's that going to feel in the long long term? It ain't going to feel good. And you're going to realize you're kind of a loser. That's how you're going to feel. You brought everyone else down. That's how I felt. Yeah. So 
let's not do that. There's let's also part, that. kind of an American mentality here that we have too, where we have this kind of sense in America that life shouldn't suck. Talk to somebody from like the Eastern Bloc who moved <laughs> over to America, and they have a very you know talk to Russians or Ukrainians who yeah. were lived in the Soviet Union came over here, and they have a very different idea. Is that like even even a good life, like a great life where things are going well. Most of it is just one shitty task after another, <laughs> and that's life. And then eventually you get to rest for a while and be with the people you love and, like, do things. But even then, it's just one vile task after another for the most part, you know? Mm. And life, you know, it, the idea that life's not supposed to suck a lot of the time, that, that's kind of an American myth. Yeah. <laughs> We're hoping for it. All right, next question. Keep a good attitude. Keep a good attitude. Uh, <clears throat> next question. Long story short, I work hard. I have a decent paying job that I enjoy. I'm a, am a good husband and father and strive to be the best I can in those things. But I feel a void when I listen to you, Tim Kennedy, etc. I feel like I missed out on the opportunity of serving. I'm 40 and not interested in changing work, but looking for ways to find purpose or serve outside of work and family life. Any suggestions? Yeah, the first one I would look at, and I don't know if this is possible at 40, but I'm pretty sure it is, go join the Army Reserves or the Air National Guard or something like that. They're looking for people, and you probably have some skill set that they could use, and that would just be a cool way to do it. If you're too old, which is entirely possible, check out that volunteer fire department you got down the road. Check out the reserve police officer program in your neighborhood. Okay, those things don't work. What can you do to help out some some underprivileged underprivileged kids around what can you do to help someone that's down on their luck or a group of people or what can you what can you do to help out elderly folks that could use someone volunteer go help some people go help some people there's your purpose pretty straightforward 100% you know we we had a guy on the podcast who he got he got like a couple little pieces of help along the way and they totally changed his life. Mm. Totally changed his life. And so here you are. You know, you want to you want to you want to serve? You don't have to serve the country. And by the way, if you go and help some kids get on the right path, you are helping the country. You if you go and volunteer to be, you know, a, a reserve police officer, you are helping the country. If you help elderly people and you you make the their lives better, you are helping the country. So all these things help out America by making America better, stronger and and moving it in the right direction. Million good causes. Go out there and get on one of them. Yeah, and Seems part of that void that he's feeling is that I never got that sense of closeness and brotherhood that you know maybe mm-hmm. you get being out in combat or something. Jiu-jitsu. Well, there is that, but uh, you know it's it's not going to be sort of a, a peer-to-peer brotherhood <clears throat> type relationship. But you know, you go help out at the boys and girls club or go help out at the hospice center or something. You will feel that closeness with people that you can't you can't compare to anything else. It's it'll it'll transform you if you haven't done it before for sure. Go get it. Speaking next, of jujitsu, next question. question. I'm going to start training jujitsu in the near future. Oh, I'm gonna in the near future. Okay. Sometimes that's a red flag. It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, okay, I dang. Maybe I was triggered. Awesome. I don't know. Awesome. But hey, look, I, I believe it. Of course. During the course of researching where I should train in my area, Austin, Hookem. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's the inside Hookem? What does that mean? It's the. Uh, the college that's down there. Oh, that's right. like their their uh, whatever motto. Battle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Cool. 
I realize that some of the gyms refer to themselves as jujitsu gyms, while others refer to themselves as Brazilian jujitsu gyms. I also saw a Japanese jujitsu gym out in the suburbs. A quick Google search determined the difference was not terribly helpful. Most articles were so vague as to the differences that they were essentially worthless. And even though I was able to find some some articles that articulated the differences a bit, those differences varied quite a bit from, the art, from article to article. And then he says, is this nothing more than marketing or the gym owner's personal preference? And thus, is there no material difference between them? Or perhaps plain old jujitsu is a synonym for BJJ or Japanese jujitsu? Are they all distinct? If there is indeed differences between them, which might an individual want to focus on based on individual goals or possibly are there differences? Are there again differences, but are they immaterial to a beginner? So they should just pick one. Do the differences become more relevant as the student advances? Finally, when you and Echo and your guests reference jujitsu, what style are you typically referring to? Interesting. Okay, we're talking about Brazilian jujitsu. That's what we're talking about. Sometimes originally called Gracie jujitsu, and then the Gracie name was trademarked or whatever and so a lot of the kind of yeah yeah kind of but then so some of the gracie people that didn't have the gracie name or didn't want to pay into the the gracie business model they just started calling it brazilian jiu-jitsu in order to differentiate it from japanese jiu-jitsu which is kind of not what you're looking for (laughs) now that being said look brazilian jiu-jitsu is rooted in japanese jiu-jitsu Japanese jiu-jitsu, judo is also rooted in Japanese jiu-jitsu, and there's the whole name game that got played between judo and Japanese jiu-jitsu. So what you're looking for is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. There may be some people that, you know, just call it jiu-jitsu, and then if you went and said, what kind of jiu-jitsu are you talking about? Are you talking about like traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu or Brazilian jiu-jitsu? The right answer is, oh, no, no, no. We're talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's that kind of an answer. It's not, well, actually, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is Japanese jiu-jitsu. It's just a a little bit more focused on ground fighting. No, you're not looking for that answer. You're looking for a little bit of a laugh and then like, like, no, 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 no. We're talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. That's what we're talking about. Because they are radically different when it gets right down to it. So yeah, that path that you're on. So okay, so the marketing thing you mentioned, mm-hmm. where yeah, so that is a thing. That's a thing to look out for. Significant. So okay, you mentioned the Gracie Jiu Jitsu, right? So mm-hmm. Gracie Jiu Jitsu is a tr- it's like a trademark thing. Gracie yeah. Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here's the thing. That's what I said, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, fully. Yeah, yeah. But you did say the Gracie name, which is a whole different thing. Because there's okay, there's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and the teams are named. Mm-hmm. There's the Gracie Academy. There's Gracie Humaita, there's Gracie Baja. Then there's all these guys that happen to have the name Gracie, yeah. Yeah. And they have their academy, and it's owned by Henzo Gracie. It's Mm -hmm. owned by Helion Gracie. You know, like all these, Hodger Gracie, like all these guys. And so does that make it a Gracie Academy? Well, Gracie Academy is an actually trademark name, so technically no, but it is an academy by a Gracie, so it could be called a Gracie Academy. You see what I'm saying? So you got to look out for this kind of stuff. But I don't think, generally speaking, Ice cream crone. Crone Gracie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There's right. all kinds of Gracie. There's a lot of Gracie. Then usually the good news about that though is usually if it's a for real Gracie Academy, it's mm-hmm. gonna be good. So that's that's the good news about that, generally speaking. Um 
And of course, there's, there's debate. You know, you ask one guy, one guy's going to say, no, Henzo's better than, you know, Humaita or all this stuff. Of course, they're going to say that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, they're all going to be good. Now, if you get a, a person saying, oh, yeah, Japanese, I, we do Japanese jujitsu. So it's like, okay, <laughs> to answer your question, we are not talking about that at all. No, we're not. <clears throat> and, you know, I'm not even saying Japanese jujitsu is junk. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying when we talk about jujitsu and the greatness of jujitsu or whatever yeah. we say, we're not talking about that. No. So if you go in there and then, just like how you said, if they're like, yeah, Japanese jujitsu is the same as Brazilian, it's just a little bit more focused on it, but we're still not talking about no. that. 100%. So you kind of take your chances as far as that. The same way you go take your chances if you go do boxing or something else. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's not what we're talking about about and then on on top of it just to clarify this part anytime we say jujitsu that's always brazilian jujitsu i think you did say that right yes it's like brazilian jujitsu jujitsu same 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 thing across the board the only thing we may clarify is is if if you were to tell me hey jocko i met this super whack guy that was told me he was a black belt in japanese jujitsu the yeah. only reason you would clarify it is to say it's not Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just jiu-jitsu, and I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. and it comes from Brazil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as a, be- as a beginner, it might benefit you just in case. Right. If you go in, in, a, in a place that says we have jiu-jitsu or yep. jiu-jitsu here to ask them, this is Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Just to make sure. Right. And usually they'll be like, yeah, yeah, of course. Then they go, of Yes, they yeah. go. Yeah, that's the answer. You want them to like be a little bit like offended, a little bit like, but yeah. in a nice way. Sure. Yeah. You don't want them to start making explanations and comparisons and root yeah. words and <laughs> talk about the etymology of where jujitsu comes from. And yeah, we don't want that. Yeah. Or we, some we're not like doing that. beat around the bush answer. We don't want to know. Like we don't want to know. Hey, you know what? If you want real <laughs> jujitsu, yeah. jujitsu actually came from Japan. Yeah. So what I'm teaching is the more pure form. No, we don't want that. that yeah, that, that's not what we're talking that's about. Not the what to we're answer talking your about. question, yeah. All right. Would you guys say that a good basic, basic like uh, approach to advice when somebody asks you about getting involved in jujitsu is look, uh, you're just starting out. Um, a, a blue belt could probably handle your first six months of practice just fine. Like mm-hmm. get you through those. Uh, you're gonna maybe be gone after a long day's work or something. And what you need to find is a place that. It's a place you want to be after you get home from a long day's work. You're actually going to be motivated to go. It's going to keep you going. If you get in, you know, a year and it's a blue belt and you feel like maybe they're not taking it seriously enough or there's a more serious place across town, you can always switch up. But like, yeah, well, luckily right now there, you can throw a freaking you can't throw a cat without yeah. hitting a black belt yeah. anywhere in America right now. Remember back in the day? Oh, we yeah. If like a purple belt came around. It was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was a big deal. Uh, I, I too. Your, the the importance of proximity. Yeah, you don't want to have to drive. Like if there's a blue belt or a purple belt, it's probably gonna be at least a purple belt that's teaching like next to your house. But there's a black belt that's a 48 minute transit, mm. and that's gonna cancel out you know three classes a week because you had to go there and you don't have time. Go mm. to the guy next door, man. Yeah. Proximity proximity has a heavy weight in this situation. Okay, yeah. as long as you're not gonna get a knucklehead. But there's not too many knuckleheads anymore because the internet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fully. Check. All right. Oh, next question. After listening to your last podcast, number 273, Controversial Lessons from Being Put Through the Ringer, I was mesmerized by Herbert's mindset. I think you named that podcast. 
I, th- I think you named the second pot that for okay so the first podcast was just about him being in Korea and there's no controversial lessons it's just badass mm-hmm. but you knew what controversial lessons were coming mm-hmm. and so you but people must have been I wonder why those are controversial lessons the controversial lessons came in the next podcast mm-hmm. okay just FYI yeah yeah that's Maybe. why it's good sometimes to, to uh, bounce titles off of people I understand. of podcasts sure <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the advice on on that one. Uh, nonetheless, it was titled "Controversial Lessons from Being Put Through the Ring" at number two seventy three. Controversial okay. lessons Actually, were coming. Okay, you know, I was gonna say I was gonna give you some credit for being put through the ringer because like he wasn't really put, and I was like, oh yeah, he was put through the ringer in in Korea. It was a different kind of ringer. Yeah. In when he was in Vietnam, he got put through a different kind of ringer. The kind of ringer he got put through in Vietnam was like a legal ringer and a sure. leadership ringer and all that stuff. Yeah. Which could have slid, except for you said controversial yeah. lessons. I rem- controversial doesn't make any sense whatsoever on that first podcast. <laughs> I'm remembering right now why I called it that. Why? Because before we recorded, the I told was like, you. Yeah, you were like, hey, there's a controversial thing. And you were kind of, you kind of told the story. I was like, oh, shoot, that kind of sounds kind of yeah. dope, you know, whatever. And then, it, yeah, and then it carried over. So I was like, cool. And I knew, yeah, put through the ring or whatever. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's a controversial or went through controversial kind of scenarios yeah. or whatever. People must have been puzzled by that title. It didn't, and didn't you write it Very like possible. ringer, like ring a bell instead of ringer, like with a W, like ringing it out, which is, I think, how it's supposed to go. Yeah, I, d- yeah. you know, that's news to me right there. <laughs> Get it together. <laughs> so thank you for the, the correction. Um, and no offense, uh, it's also kind of sucks for you at right at this particular moment in time because Daryl's freaking titles are freaking awesome. Like whenever you nail a title, <laughs> whenever you put out a title on, on Unraveling, I'm like, that's a good freaking title. When you put, uh, do you guys have run flats? I was like, damn, that's a good title. And then the other day you titled one um, – Draining the Swamp version one. I was like, that's a good title. I'm like, he's get so anyways, all right. Enough criticism. I mean it in a good way. No offense taken. Yeah. And uh thank we all you. have room for improvement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was mesmerized by Herbert's mindset. Seems Herbert was playing the infinite game and an infinite game. His goal was to become and stay a warrior. My question is, how would one go about developing this kind of resilience and mindset without the opportunity to adapt to challenging circumstances like Herbert did? Is it possible to cultivate the warrior mindset in any setting? I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so I was uh, recently on um, Jordan Peterson's podcast, and I was talking about how when I was younger, I was going to say kid, but I was, I was a kid. I was in the SEAL teams and I wanted to be a good SEAL. And that was kind of like my guiding principle. And it took me a while to actually figure out what a good SEAL was. In fact, I'm still like going, mm, that would have been a little bit better. And I, I still look at, if I, if I, I still don't have an ideal SEAL set in stone. I'm still not there yet. Still learning. And I was learning the whole time I was in and I would be, like make adjustments to what I thought that ideal SEAL was. Pretty close to Uncle Jake. Uncle Jake's kind of like, He's up there, sure. you know. Unfortunately, we don't get a lot of combat leadership lessons from him. We get some, yeah. Um, but once you kind of have that goal, right? So in this case, hey, you're saying that his goal was to become and stay a warrior. Then what you have to do again, it turns into a decision-making filter. 
And what you have to do is think strategically instead of tactically. Mm-hmm. Think long-term instead of short-term. Um, because if you are thinking long-term, and this is Echo, that's like one, one of the coolest things that you sort of picked up on early in this and you've really made a, made a, not only made it clear on the podcast when you talk about it, but also in your actual life, the way you've applied thinking strategic, thinking long-term instead of thinking short-term, it's the most powerful thing. And, and I got asked at one of the musters few musters ago, you know, guys like, how often should we actually be thinking strategically? Mm-hmm. And I, I was like, mm, you should be thinking strategically all the time, all the time. That's mm-hmm. what, why are you doing something that doesn't make sense strategically? Mm-hmm. Why are you doing something right now that feels good right now? If it's going to hurt you in the long term, don't do that. So once you figure out what it is, you, what it is, the ideal that you're going for, then you run all your decisions through that filter to say, okay, is this heading me in the right direction? Is this, in this case, is this help me be a warrior or does it hurt? Mm. And once you start thinking strategically, you'll be there. That's what I think. And take jujitsu, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and take jujitsu. I know a, a good one, a little daily tactic that uh, is tactical, but very, like, m- reaps many benefits is n- never complain about anything. Oh, that's an ever. awesome one. So, like, and I don't go, care. Go, go be in the SEAL teams, and you'll get that beat into you. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Sometimes I hear guys, you know, a soldier that's not complaining, he's not really happy. I don't agree with that. Hmm. Like, you, you, there's no, you don't complain. Yeah. Don't complain. Look, are you going to joke about it? Cool. Like, if you're going to joke about it and it's going to be funny, okay. If mm-hmm. you're going to be like, oh, this looks like it's going to be fun. Right, right. Cool. That's if you're going to be like, hey, stand by to get some. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that, okay. But if you're legitimately going, dude, this sucks. Don't. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. It's a freaking bad move. Oh, yeah. This sucks. Oh, my day was so hard and challenging. Or, or it's so cold in here. Or whatever. Just even small kind of stuff like that. Like, that was one that I picked up on the cold thing. Like, one time, one time like, Daryl Cooper, we're in here recording, whatever. Air conditioning's on. So I'm like, yeah. The air conditioning set to 42 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the kind of, like, you probably could have seen your breath, kind of, right? And I'm like, I'm freezing. I didn't bring a jacket, whatever. I'm freezing. And I'm about to tell Jocko, but I'm like, shoot, Jocko's going to tease me about it, whatever. Sure. And I'm thinking, and this, and I'm looking, everyone's while I see if he has chicken skin over there, a little bit of goosebumps, whatever. And I'm thinking, no, Jocko's cold. But there is no way he would admit this. No way, ever. So, of course, I asked him. I was like, oh, are you cold? He's like, no. No, I'm like, no more, whatever. I was like, ha, I got you. Okay. No, I understand. You taught me something. Chicken skin. Yeah. Yeah. I'll even take it one step further. I don't, I don't let people complain to me. It's just contagious, and it makes you feel worse. So how do you stop, yeah. how do you stop them? Depend, you know, depend, so depending on, the, depending on the context, you can kind of let it go for a second. But if it drags on to the point where it's getting repetitive, right? Because some people will tell you, look, you need to vent sometimes. You need to vent. I do not agree with that. I think venting So is if you and I are driving yeah. and I'm like, dude, this traffic is ridiculous. Yeah, fine. Yeah, okay. I, I'm not going to go dude, like at, this step, really sucks, at, at step one or step two and tell you to shut your traffic. So now three minutes go by, five minutes go by, and I'm like, dude, how long do you think we'll be in traffic for? It's that, ridiculous. LA sucks. At that point, I would say, like, you know, I don't know how long we're going to be in traffic, but I assume you're going to talk to me about it the whole time, right? Yeah, Something yeah, yeah. like that. A little, and, a little check. And it's more like, you know, whatever. That's kind of in a car. There's people, like, I had a girlfriend back in the day that every day after she got off work, she's a great girl, every day after she got off work, she just had all the built up kind of stress from work, all the things that were going on, and she had to just 
bleh, just yeah. dump it all out. And after a while, I'm like, dude, I can't. I can't get off work every day and listen to an hour of just like all of the <laughs> stress hour. being downloaded from your day at work. Like it's horrible. And she's like, well, people need to vent. I'm like, that's what you got girlfriends for or whatever. I can't, I'm, I just, I'm too porous and permeable to that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it just comes right into me and now I'm stressed out. You feel better. We can't do that. <laughs> I think I have some way of looking at people because when people start to complain to me, they, they, they like, reverse tracks yeah. a lot of times yeah, i'll be like you know i think there's just this is man this is just super stressful and i'll be looking at them like i mean it's not that bad you know don't do that yeah. kind of thing <laughs> i'm like oh cool i'm glad it's not that bad they just start arguing with themselves <laughs> i guess it's not so bad well you know what i feel great about it actually yeah <laughs> the I don't know. I am not saying I God. disagree, but I think like you can modulate your response to pe- other people complaining. Yeah. I think the no complaining thing is more for, for yourself. This is just my thing. I'm not against <laughs> anyone else's philosophy, of course. But if it's a real quick before you go on, if it's a one off or two off, that's one thing. But if you got somebody where it's a pattern, yeah. that's eventually going to become a problem, right? Cause but I, don't you think, don't you think yeah. like. If you if you kind of have this mapped out, oh, here she comes. I'm going to catch an hour's worth of download. She's going to vent. She's going to complain. I'm going to nod my head and be like, oh, what? that's crazy. I can't believe that happened. And then we're going to have dinner and it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's some therapeutic letting somebody off gas for a little bit without getting. I guess, but here's the thing. Would you say you were like emotional, emotionally permeable? Yeah, Is that man, what you I'm said? Sensitive. I'm a very sensitive soul, you know? Like if Jocko or Echo are upset, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. Because I care about yeah, you. Guys. I don't have that. <laughs> Thanks, Jocko. No. Like you're telling me about your worst day ever. I'm like, that's too bad. But don't you. Okay, but what I'm about. I'm going to pull ups. What, the first thing you guys were saying, though, is. For the person complaining, it's not good for you. It doesn't help you, right? Yeah. So am I just aren't I'm kind of indulging this person yeah. to a bad purpose, right? Right, right, right. So now if you want to start giving them some corrective measures, you know, if you're like, well, what are you going to do about Fred? I mean, you're, you, this is like the sixth day in a row you've come home and talked to me about Fred. Like, do you, do you think you could build a relationship with that? I can't believe this dude's married. Like, have, <laughs> have you ever... You ever tried that? You ever tried that with Mrs. Jocko where she's like just had a you know bad time, whatever, bad day, and she's telling you about it, and you do the Jocko thing and start suggesting a bunch of solutions? No, no, no. Oh, that, well, that goes real well. Well, I don't know. I'm the one that actually got married to my girlfriend. Apparently, this girl didn't hang out with you, so I don't know who you're ragging on right now. But, but no, I'm not saying you're going to uh, – there's a difference, right? If you got somebody that's venting, yeah. you know, you do a little reflect and diminish. You know, you observe, you're like, hey, oh, that's really horrible. You're not trying to correct their problems. But if uh, someone's coming home day after day and saying, hey, this is the issue, this is horrible, eventually I'm going to say, well, look, I'm not going to say, well, what you need to do is this, but I'd say, well, what kind of relationship do you have with Fred? Like, is it something that you can start talking? So I'm going to start talking to the person about, and I do do that with my wife. You know, if my wife's got some problem, and look, if she just comes home and says, oh, I can't believe that, you know, the teacher said this or whatever, they're running the class like that. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, but if she says that to me five times, I might be like, well, do you want to, you know, well, do you want to, should we set up a meeting with them? What do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. Not telling her what to do, but asking her questions that's going to guide her in the right direction to make some kind of a forward progress in the world. Yeah. And it's. We got in in Jocko's defense. Another podcast coming up, Dr. (laughs) Jocko, man. I got to call this girl up and apologize for being (laughs) such a jerk that whole time. (laughs) You might want to. Well, and when you're married. I don't mean to make excuses for you, but you do have a permeable emotional state, which is very, you know, (laughs) very emotionally permeable. permeable. (laughs) I'm going to get that tattooed on my (laughs) (laughs) Well, and when you're married for a long time or, you know, when you, you kind of know when, Because there is such thing as someone who just wants to vent. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of part of the reason why if you start offering solutions so quick, you're like, hey, you shouldn't do that because there is that little, you know, that and, factor. And it's not a small number of people. There are many people that just like to say, oh, I can't believe this happened. And they want you to say, oh, I can't believe that happened. That's crazy. Bro, There's the, a lot of people that like to do that. Bro, I'm, I just didn't want to say, you know, like, I don't know everyone. That's the thing. I know my wife. I'll tell you that. And I know when she's just trying to vent. And I agree. It's most of the time. So she, and cause, and not that she always does it versus she doesn't always do it. I know when she is doing it. Okay. Might be hundred percent of the time. Okay. Might be, <laughs> might not, whatever. But I know when she's doing it. So if I can't, if I, I can't distinguish, oh, is she looking for a solution? I know when she's looking for a solution too, because she'll be like, Hey, I have this problem. What do you think about this? Like she'll be asking for a solution. She won't be, be complaining about the way this lady said this in this weirdo tone and yeah. passive, you know, all this stuff or whatever. So you kind of know. And so there is a, um, there is another up upside to just letting them complain and being like, Hey, like not even diminish, just reflect. Yep. Right. Just, a just little reflect. <clears throat> yeah. And well, I, you want to diminish it a little bit just what, because you don't want to ask. I that. mentioned that before and that's what you said, but in the field, yeah. it didn't work out that way. It works better by well, not you're diminishing too much sometimes. Diminish, too much diminish. I think Diminishing I was just, too much. You, this is what you said. You said, well, you don't have to diminish hardcore or something like this, but you should always be working toward the solution. Right. But here's the thing. So a lot of these situations in the field, were it was that there was no real solution yeah, that any of yeah, us even yeah. cared about. Yeah. It was it was actually more. This is gonna sound almost evil. Right. It's more fun to talk shit after the you know because it's just an annoying person or annoying mm-hmm. situation. It's not our life or whatever. So it's funner to come home and talk shit with the husband. Yes. Me. If there is no like viable solution. The solution is to sit around and talk shit and, talk and shit. let vent let happen. Vent. That's the exactly. that's the solution is venting. Yes. So yeah. so you can reflect, but what I'm saying is you don't want to get them more spun up. Yes. So you do want to offer some level of so, diminishing. And even that, there are exceptions in my experience. I'm not I'm not married to everyone. I don't know everyone's mm. needs. Or you sometimes whatever. you just gotta go ham. <laughs> no, I'll jump right on on board. I'll yeah. be like, yeah, fuck that bitch. You know, like, <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck. you know, and we'll have a laugh or whatever. And you know what that does? Makes me and her a little bit closer. Yep. And I was about to say, you know, there's that there, when in leadership strategy and tactics, I talk about the fact that that's a real easy thing to get sucked into. You know, yeah. if Daryl comes into me and he's like, Bro, "What's up with the boss, Echo? Man, that guy's a freaking egomaniac," and it's really easy for me to be like, "Yeah, he is," and it it makes me feel like, "Oh, we're getting more bonded." But I'm actually talking shit about our boss, yes, and yeah. that's not a good thing. Yeah. So it's just an interesting scenario where, look, if it's someone that doesn't matter or yes, whatever, yeah. you can you can. Yeah, yeah. It's a good bonding thing. Yeah. If it's an important person or if it's a relationship that you do need to be building with like if I'm trying to build a relationship with Echo for our team because you're our boss and all I do is just like yeah you're right Echo's a freaking egomaniac can you believe that guy it's hard to even get in the same room with his head so big like that thing right and we're bonding we feel good but I'm actually undermining what we're trying to do as a team so we do have to be careful of that in that situation but if you're just like the whatever the the person that we can't have an impact over yeah, we're gonna bond. We're gonna talk some right. shit. Yeah, and actually, thank you for saying that because that's a huge deal. Huge, and it's literally like you're going the opposite direction. So, like, yeah. So, let's say I'm like, I'm gonna go hypothetical because I don't need someone hearing this and whatever, you know. Even mm-hmm. though small chance, but let's say you're working at the PTA or something, mm-hmm. and you know another lady that's working with you in the PTA. It's let's like say one her name situations. is Susan, and <laughs> yeah, she, she lives on that. Bitch came up to me, and she, <laughs> hypothetically, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like that kind where it's like, sure, you're gonna have to work with her once a month for you know 
six months or something right. like this, you yeah. know, and then she doesn't even live around here or whatever. It's like that kind of stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. But like I said, yeah. like the opposite is true when it's like, I don't know, your sister-in-law or something like that. Yeah. And all it's like, that what? Stuff. Or your mother-in-law or something. Oh, it's like, yeah. no, that's important yeah. for yeah. us all to get along. Yeah. Don't yeah. be turning everyone to, you know, against someone or makes everything worse yeah. in life. And I literally wrote like what to say in leadership strategy. I'm like, hey, you, you know, if, if you come and say, Echo's got such a big head, he's only concerned about himself. I don't say, no, he's not. He's actually a very humble, I don't do that. Yeah. Cause then you're like, then now we're not, bond, now we're getting opposite of bonding. So instead I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, but I'll tell you what, he's, he's, he's working hard. And I think that a lot of what it comes off as arrogance is just him trying to get the confidence to move this project forward. You know, so I'm agreeing with you, yep. but I'm also giving a little bit of a. <laughs> Check. Guy. All right, what do we got next? Well, there you go. Uh, next question. My brother has recently started to yell at his five-year-old son when he misbehaves. I haven't inter- intervened yet, and I'm not sure how to go about addressing him in this situation. Bearing in mind, his son is quite a handful, but I'm sure yelling is not the way around this. And I don't know the best way I can help the situation. Tell yeah. him to listen to Jordan Peterson. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, there's some good yeah, there's some good stuff there. Um, relationship is paramount, right? The relationship that you have with your is it brother he's talking about? Yeah, well, the relationship that you have with your brother is paramount, and by that I mean, if you go on the attack, that relationship is going to get worse, which means you have less influence, which means you can't get him to start acting like a freaking good parent. Part one, part two. Nobody wants a. Uh, my daughter just taught my oldest daughter just taught me this term unsolicited advice. I I, I don't know if it's a thing or she made yeah. it up or whatever. Is it a thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I <clears> hadn't good. heard it. I like it. I hadn't heard it. I guess because I just been running around giving it. <laughs> yeah. it but up. she she was saying that no one she, has the guts to no, tell. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she was telling me that she she was like yeah you know I used to give a lot. This is my daughter was telling me this. I used to give unsolicited advice. Yeah. And it's funny. It was about nutrition. That's one of them too. And you don't want to do that, no, right? Sir. So, no one wants unsolicited advice. So, one of the tools I've been talking about a lot lately from a leadership perspective, and this is a leadership situation, because you're trying to lead your brother in the right direction. You're interacting with another, if you're interacting with another human being, you're in a leadership situation. Mm. Above you in the chain of command, below you in the chain of command, up here, it doesn't matter, you're in a leadership position. You have to interact with another person. So, a tool that's grossly underused is Asking earnest questions, subtle questions, earnest questions. Yeah. Now, the kind of questions you got to ask, and and don't you're already jumping to conclusions, Zach. I can see it in your face. Yes, what the uh, conclusions right, that, I am, and I'm sorry. The conclusions that you're jumping to is, you know, you start yelling at your kid, and I go, "What are you trying to get him to do?" You know what I mean? Like I start attacking you with questions. Yeah. yeah. Or I say, you know, do you think he really understands that? Yeah. Or uh, you think that makes sense to him? You think you're helping him? You know, like that kind of thing? I'm not talking about that. You, you, you think yelling and screaming at your kid is effective? Do you think that's working well? Do you like it when your boss yells at you? Like all those things. I'm not talking about that. But, you know, if you say like, you know, um, like, hey, do you, do you think he actually like is comprehending what you're trying to tell him? when? Because it seems like he's doing the same thing. Do you think that's... 
Do you think that's working? Like, what are you trying to make happen? And again, you got to be really careful because you're going to get immediate back. When you ask that kind of question, a little, if you're off by three degrees, guess what's yeah. going to happen? Guess what you're going to get back? Who are you to tell me how to raise my son? The thunder. You don't even have kids. Yep. Shut up. Shut up. The fact that he's right and asked the question kind of lets you know that maybe he has an idea mm-hmm. that that response mm-hmm. might be coming if he handles it wrong. So, yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 it's 100%. It's, um, it's what we have to be careful about. So, how do we do it? We have to be very indirect. For instance, you know, can you do it in a situation where there's not yelling going on, right? Mm-hmm. Can you do it in a situation where you know you're talking about like, hey, when, you know, when 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 Johnny starts like getting out of hand, when you yell at him, do you do you think that do you think that like scares him? You're not even criticized. You're just like, do you think that scares him? Well, probably. Yeah, I, I know I'd be scared. So you start asking questions, and that's it. You don't, you don't go. You're not trying to f- solve this thing in one day. Mm. But you start asking these questions. The other thing that you might have the opportunity to set a little bit of an example, right? So, you know, Johnny leaves the milk out, and you go, Johnny, you better put the milk away. You go, Hey, Johnny, come here, come here, buddy. Yes. And you say, uh, Hey. Do you, what do you think happens when you leave the milk out? What do you think is going to happen to the milk? I don't know. It, it'll get spoiled. Do you like to drink milk? Yeah. So do you like to drink spoiled milk? Have you ever had spoiled milk? Do you know what it is? It stinks. You want to drink stinky milk? No. Guess what we got to do? We got to put the milk away. So if you have an opportunity to kind of show that sort of Socratic leadership to a child in front of your brother now you can start and you're not imposing it because this is real sensitive man yeah. it's right. hyper sensitive no. <clears throat> yeah. when we're when you're starting talking about like you know you don't tell me how to raise my son yeah you ever see there will be blood mm-hmm. when he it's such a good scene when the character's like are you telling me how to raise my son? You telling me how to interact with my family? And it just and then he, and then like three lines later is one day I'm gonna find you when you're sleeping. I'm gonna slit your throat. <laughs> That's what he goes from. Yeah. Like how to raise your son is it goes to he, he, three sentences later is I'm gonna find you when you're sleeping and slit your throat. That's real. So we got to be careful on <clears throat> this one. And if you misstep, right? And he does go to that. How don't tell me how to raise my. son. Back off. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, 100%. try it again 100%. next month. Back off. 100%. <laughs> what if, like, let's say the guy doesn't have kids, the guy writing mm-hmm. the email. He could say, like, man, when I have kids, like, one of these days, it's got to be it's gotta be tough, like, handling all these different kind of situations. Like, you know, like, I'm probably going to be coming to you for advice. Like, what would you do if, like, this kind of thing happened? Be like, well, I'll tell you what, like. Well, yeah, but if you yell at them like that, like, doesn't this happen? Now mm. we're not even talking about your situation. We're mm. talking about my situation. Maybe approach it kind of from the back door, you know, mm. something like that. Because it's a tough one, man. We, People are sensitive yeah. about, you know. We want to take the most indirect possible route that you can. Now, here's the thing about being indirect. When, when you're being indirect, you slow, have to slowly kind of escalate because, mm. you know, you might have that conversation and it doesn't even phase him that you could yeah. be somehow remotely talking about yeah. him. Yeah. So then you might have to, like, say, you know, escalate it over time. But... What if Johnny leaves the milk out, mm-hmm. and instead of like providing an example, you provide a counterexample, and you just take it to a level like Johnny, get the milk. <laughs> he's like, "Don't yell at the boy," and you're like, "Aha!" <laughs> now you got him. No, right? sorry, no. sorry, sorry. Don't do that. Probably not a good way. You might get <laughs> hit with a baseball bat. <laughs> That's a flanking move, I guess. Indirect. Set a good example. T- 
talk about it. You know, talk about it, and even be like, you know, I was listening to. I was listening to this video. I saw this video like it was a some guy named Jordan Peterson. He's like some kind of psychologist, and he was talking about yelling at kids. And I was just wondering what you think. Just send it to him. Maybe you don't even have to say, you know, I wonder what you think. But hey, this seems like really different than what you're doing, and I think it's different than what I'm going to do too. I'm sure I'm going to act like you know you. I'm going to act like Dad acted. You know, Dad used to yell at us. I'm going to yell at my kid. But what do you think of this? Maybe you just introduce him to him that way. You know, give him some outside because you think you don't want unsolicited advice. You definitely don't want unsolicited advice from your brother that doesn't even have kids. Mm. Sensitive topic. Very like there's and there's a few sensitive topics like how to raise kids. One of the massive ones, diet, mm. massive one, religion, politics. Mm. And there's a few other ones like pregnancy, like certain when mm-hmm. girls to girls, you know, like like what you should do when you're pregnant. Or whatever. Oh, That's yeah. like another one. Apparently, I've never been pregnant. I so can't I believe you're using sunscreen right now. Yeah. Your baby needs vitamin yes, D. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> or what you're not going to breastfeed. You you know murder or what you know whatever they say. I don't know. But um, this is a, this is huge. One. It's going to depend on the relationship with the brother though. Yeah, and totally. I know this from experience. That's right. That's started you know, off as saying relationships yeah. paramount. Oh yeah, for, for sure. sure. Um, I would. I think personally, I think this is such a sensitive s- subject that man, I wouldn't even be brave enough to try mm-hmm. what you're saying. Here's yeah. what I would do. Okay. Here's a little. This is kind of a, what do you call, like a, what do you call it when it's like a deviant kind of way, new brash way of handling it. This is what you do, and this might actually be a. I think where you're coming from is the right starting point. It's a great starting point. This is not as indirect as you can possibly be, and that not being like brave enough to do it. I mean, that's coming from a recognition that this is this is his thing, his kid, not your place. That's my life. You know, my brother. This is my Mm -hmm. brother. That's his kid. That's my nephew. That's how they get down. Kind of a yeah place. Yeah, for sure. But here, let me offer this as a hypothesis. How about you just completely violate that and be like, bro, stop! don't yell at your kid mm-hmm. and tell them all the real reasons why, you know, I don't know exactly how it went down, obviously, but tell them the real reasons that you have. You have to kind of be squared away, though. You have to know yeah, yeah. why, like, the way you yelled at him is wrong because of this. Is You know, you got to have your argument squared away and just let him have it. I don't yeah. care if it's in front of everybody. Do it, right? No, do it in front of everybody. No, front of don't okay, do it okay. in front of everybody. Okay, yeah, okay. Maybe, perhaps. It's not very well thought out. I just thought of it right no, now. No, no, no. But It's interesting, though. But... Here's the thing. You do it. You let him have it. You let him get super mad at you. If he does, maybe he'll be like, oh, okay. You know, maybe and boom, yeah. boom, problem solved or whatever or, or progress we'll say. But let's say he gets mad, which is more than likely. Gets mad at you. Um, maybe even a little tinge of like, man, he doesn't like you that much anymore or something like this, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, bad situation. Then the next day or whenever you come to him super sincere, super sincere and be like, man, hey, I'm, I, I'm, I fucked up. Like you were a parent, I am not a parent. It's like I have no idea your, you know, your struggle. It's hard or whatever. I have no idea. I'm like I'm just an ignorant outsider for sure. Like I really believe this, and just the most sincere apology. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, you did leave a little Trojan horse in there though mm-hmm. with that little attack. Hopefully, hopefully, but because you you gave him a squared away argument. Sure, he's pissed. Sure, he he got defensive and all this other stuff. But you did leave him with that. And now you guys are on good terms again. Now, yeah. and here's the thing. This is why I think it could very well work. Risk, high stakes, risky, but, oh, yeah. but could well, be very it, This effective. is all completely and 100% hinging on the relationship that you have with your brother. Yes. Because but it, if you have a good relationship, 
I'm trying to think if I should tell this story. Well, right now. actually, wait, real quick. This, I suppose the, the, I should. The not. final, no, no, no. <laughs> the final, the final uh, piece of this this puzzle. What you got to do is, or what you have to consider is, now next time he uh, he's about to yell at his kid in front of you, yeah. it's gonna be like, oh shit, I remember, I remember mm. that just a little bit. So just that little bit of friction might help a little bit. I I actually recently did almost exactly what you're saying. Yeah. With my sister. Oh shit. Yep. I was like. Hey, let me tell you what's going on when you do that. And my sister like adores her kids yeah. and uh, was maybe going a little over the top with that. You see what I'm saying? And now they're like a little older and like kids don't, you know, kids that are 13 oh, got it. Yes, or whatever sir. are kind of like, oh, mom, you know, I that kind of thing. Yes, sir. I understand. And, it, and, and I just said, hey, you know, um, like just, just, just back off a little bit and like it's okay, and she and to your point, she was she didn't even get mad, you know, because because I have a good relationship with her, yeah. and because also she knew that I was coming from like literally trying to improve the situation. Not that it's bad, but yeah. just trying to make you know, just trying to like bring it together. And I I just said you know, hey, uh, I was like, hey, you know, that's like you go a little over the top, and there's you know, you're talking about thirteen year olds, yeah. and. Doesn't matter how cool you are as a mom, <laughs> as a 40 whatever year old mom, the other you 30. You edit you know, that part they're out. Uncool. Yeah, <laughs> they're, it's, it's hard to be quote cool, right? Yes, sir. And so, so all this is completely um, hinging upon the relationship between you and your brother and how direct can you be with them and what kind of. So I think we've given you a wide array of options to think about. Mm and think through. Um, I would kind of start off, you know, to like see what you can, start off indirect as possible. And then, you know, you don't get anywhere. And maybe you're, you know, in a, three weeks, you're like, you know what, I'm going Echo style. I'm going Jocko to his sister style. I'm just gonna be like, hey, this is what's going on. This is why it's not good. I'm assuming, here's the other thing, I'm assuming that there's like a, a temper scenario, right? So that's another assumption is that, you know, if you're yelling at a five-year-old, you know, five-year-olds, are not logical, right? They're not logical. They haven't. They they not. They can't even carry on an argument with you. Mm-hmm. So you're yelling at them like that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to be yelling at a five year old unless they do something that's dangerous and you want to like shock them into being. Oh wow, I shouldn't go in the street or whatever. Yeah. Huh. That's true. Hmm. Check. All right. Well, we got time for one more. Yes, sir. My name is Carson, and I recently was selected to be the RA resident assistant. I know that because I was in college. Mm. For a stint, we'll call it. Anyway, on my on my floor of my dorm at college, basically I lead and run the floor. The position is hard because my job entails getting peers in trouble for things I might have done before, as well as such, or as well as as well such as drinking, breaking curfew, or pranking. It's also hard as being the leader of a team like this is no has no single goal like a military team would. We all have to, all we have to do is live together. So it's hard to motivate people on the floor to act like a team or be motivated to have pride in the floor. Interesting. How do I change the attitude of my team members? How do I create a team mindset, pride in something most people don't care about? How do I enforce rules or ignore rules like Hackworth? I think that was a joke mm-hmm. um, that, I, that I have broken myself. Uh, all right, so leaders, 
you got under you got to you got to start off by explaining why this is happening. Wait, right. so just so I understand the question, yeah. he's an RA. They don't really have like a goal, like what, like a like a team, yeah. like a sales team. Or no they're like, not trying yeah, to. We're not trying to make this money. Number. Nothing. He's, he's just sort of like like he might feel like he's like babysitting essentially. Oh, he's definitely babysitting. <laughs> Straight up, okay. right? All he's right. babysitting <laughs> drunk, grown ass men, and I don't yeah. know if there's combo combined, but maybe men and maybe men and women. Yeah. Uh, so as a leader. This, the answer so many times is we have to make sure we're explaining why we're doing something. Mm. What are these rules in place for? I, ha- I had to do this all the time in the SEAL teams. Mm. Like, this seems stupid. What the hell are we doing this? Oh, here's the reason. Let me tell you why we have to write two shooter statements every time somebody kills a bad guy. Mm. Why you have to come back at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, and sit down and write a one page document explaining what happened and why you took that shot and then one of your buddies has to say, yep, this is what I saw and this is why I took that shot. Does that sound like a pain in the ass? Yes, it is. Why will we have to do this? Okay, let me explain to you. Because in three months or six months when some report comes back that this person was killed and they're saying that it was done in a, it was it was not a good shot, we go, oh, here's a sworn, here's two sworn statements about what actually happened. So we are legally covered for the actions that we took. That's what we're doing. Okay, okay, that makes a little more sense. So in this situation, it's like, oh, why can't we drink? What, what's going on? Why can't we break curfew? Why can't we be pranking people? And it can't be just because there's punishment. Like that can be part of it. That can be a legit reason, right? That can be part of it. But you should have some other reasons too, right? You should be like, you could have some altruistic reasons like hey it's gonna be it's healthier it's gonna be smart he's gonna make us smarter it's gonna make us better prepared for the future you can also have some things that are gonna kick back back us some goodness for instance hey listen if we can keep it under wraps in this floor we're gonna earn the trust of the you know the security guards and they're not gonna come over here all the time we're gonna get less oversight so we're gonna have more freedom to kind of do what we want to do here Every time we get in trouble, they're like, oh, it's the fourth floor again, freaking idiots. We better do a security walkthrough three times a night. Like, that sucks. So explain why we have these rules. What benefit are there? There's also some, like, some like bigger rules. Like, hey, hey, guess what? If something happens in these dorms, the college you know their insurance goes up it raises the prices for everybody it, you know there's they have to they have to put a more strict curfew on here um i don't know what you can do to try and come up with some kind of a goal could you create one could you start talking smack about the other floors and their gpas like what's your average gpa you guys are a bunch of idiots our GPL, now we start, like, if you, you know, you yeah. can start stuff like that. Right. I, when I was at Team 2, we started the freaking, hey, the we want the average weight of the platoon to be 200 pounds. <laughs> so everyone's jacking steel. Why are we jacking steel? To get bigger, yeah. right? There's no, that's a totally arbitrary goal, but it's a real goal. Now we've got, everyone's working out, trying to get a little bit bigger. So, uh, you know, what do you do? Some kind of dorm Olympics, right? Yeah. Who, uh, how many pull-ups can your floor do in an hour combined <laughs> right i don't know like come up with something some, i would also think too there's probably some people somebody 
It's probably one guy. It might be a couple, but it's probably one who can probably help you on that floor. Mm-hmm. Like it's and it's probably going to be one of the guys that causes some of your problems. Yep. An influencer. Yeah. Yep. Somebody Get that, that has guy influence. on your side, and then work from there. Yep. Hey, hey, Fred. Hey, check this out, man. Look, I I know it may seem like I'm like being super strict, but here's what's going on. You know, we this is what we get looked at. This is what they're looking for. And can you like help me kind of rein things in a little bit sometimes? Boom, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Build relationships. Uh, as far as enforcing roles that you've broken, own it, right? Own it. You don't say, well, hey, there's no drinking. And people are like, oh, look, hey, listen, I know I was, I was doing the same stuff Last year, I didn't realize. I didn't realize the risk that was happening. I didn't realize how bad it makes the dorm look if we have a drinking incident on this campus. By the way, we had two drinking incidents that were in the paper. What kind of funding do you think we get from our alumni when they see that we're a bunch of drunks? What kind of reputation do we get when you go out and try and get hired to a job and they go, oh, you're from you know drinking university? <laughs> uh, so so start to explain those things so, so people can expand their view a little bit. And the other thing, this kind of goes back to what you were saying, Daryl, is like I wrote about in Leadership Strategy and Tactics, conform to influence, right? You gotta, you, you gotta be part of the group if you want to influence the group. Mm-hmm. If you're just the freaking nerd walking around going, hey, lights out, 2200, I'll write you up. Yep. Then you're going to get, yeah, it's not going to work out well. So you, you have to kind of get in the game. And this doesn't mean you can, you can overlook when things are going sideways, mm-hmm. but you might, you know, you might be the person to say, Hey, look, look, this is starting to get out of hand. We need to tighten this up. Mm-hmm. Look, the cops are going to get called. We're making a bunch of noise. What's, what are we thinking? And um, build good relationships. And then the last thing I'll say is it's a campaign. Like this isn't like you're going to come up with some magic plan and all this. This is the same with all leadership. It's not like you come up with a magic plan and everyone just falls in the line. That doesn't happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. Takes time. It's a campaign. Yeah, it's good. Did you ever live in the dorms? No. <laughs> I mean, I lived in barracks. I lived in barracks, and there were rules in the barracks. Was there like RAs in the like? Basically, no. an RA <clears throat> is a. In my set, in my situation, did you go to the, did you yeah. live in the an RA is basically a snitch? <laughs> uh, no, it's essentially like a, a yeah, it's a, a hall mo- not, not a hall monitor. It's someone they live there. They have like everyone's in the dorms. Yeah. Well, in my case, you know, I'm sure it's the same everywhere. Everyone lives in a regular dorm room with a roommate, and then the RA has their own. It's like an apartment. It's in the dorms, mm. but it's like kind of like the suite. Usually, a few you years know? ahead of everybody. Yes. Else. Yes. Mm. And they essentially enforce the rules. So it, it does almost seem like they could be a snitch if they have that attitude. Mm. But if it's, if they act like, okay, so we had an RA named Marche. Marche. It was a, it was a girl. Dark-skinned black girl. She's kind of pretty, too, by the way. But <laughs> she but she was nice with everybody. Like, she was not, like she was everybody's friend or whatever. But her attitude always was, hey, there are these rules. And... I'm not above these rules, straight up. I'm not. Mm-hmm. If I break these rules, or if I broke them in the past, or whatever, like I got punished for them, or whatever. So I'm not. I'm not above the rules. But that aside, hey, we're all friends. Hey, saying hi to everybody, knows mm-hmm. everybody's name or whatever. Um, everyone knew she was older and stuff, and a little bit like above us. But she was really nice, really friendly. So that's exactly like what you said. Yeah. Like build the build relationships. relationships. So now, when when people would get busted, like for whatever, like. 
when she would say, hey, like, come on, we both know, you know, like, you can't do that. I'm sorry. I'm not above the rules. So I got to enforce them. Everyone be like, okay, we understand. Mm-hmm. You know, no one was mad at her. No one ever was like, eh, hall monitor, nothing like that. She one, was cool. She basically. was cool. Yeah. One time, in fact, one time she had to kind of flex on us, not me personally, mm-hmm. but everyone in the dorm because someone pulled the fire alarm. Oh, yeah. And the fire alarm has this ink on it, I guess. Yeah. So when you pull it, it goes on your hand or whatever. So, <laughs> um, so it was like in the middle of the night, too. Bad. We had football practice like at 6 a.m. too. It was bad. So we're we're and so they abandon or what do you call evacuate mm-hmm. the the whole dorm. Marche's up there at the front door looking at everyone's hands, saying, "Hey, show me your hands. Show me your hands." Because she's kind of mad. She got to wake up, you know, mm-hmm. um, just like all of us. So she's like, "Show show us. Show me your hands. Show me your hands." Like showing their hands, and we're all in this line. And me, I'm like, whatever. I mean, sure, I don't want to wake up, but I don't have a bad attitude, so I throw out some jokes. So I act like I'm hiding my hand. That she goes, "Show me your hands." Like mad at me, mm-hmm. and I never seen that with her before and i was like oh sorry you know like i felt like dang i'm sorry mm-hmm. you know because we had we all had that relationship you know like she was essentially Who did saying, it? i don't know no one had ink on their hands if i remember correctly they concluded that it was someone from somewhere else that did it and, and, and bailed ran. yeah but yeah so she but the thing is i wasn't mad at her i was like ra you know yep. you're whatever it's kind of like oh shoot i f- kind of felt like hey that's my bad yep. you know and because she had probably built up leadership capital of the time oh, and yeah. she like came by your room and she was like hey echo you can't be having whatever you can't be playing the music this loud right now come on man and she was like oh and you were like oh cool so she built up leadership capital mm-hmm. so that way by the time she had to like put down the foot put down her foot a little bit it was kind of cool you were good with it yeah sure Yep. And she was hot and you wanted to impress her. So it well. makes, makes her job a little bit easier. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> the, I never got in trouble. Probably, you know, he doesn't have those advantages. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's very possible. That is an element for sure. <laughs> but, the yeah, well, I never was really in trouble, but she was like that, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like everyone, other people were in trouble for sure. But the way she would handle stuff is was based on that good relationship that you she had built. You were sitting in a cell when you were like six years old. Like <laughs> <laughs> right years on. Old. <laughs> All right. With that, on that note, thanks for joining us. Thanks for supporting The Cause on the underground. Uh, as always, you can get supplements from JockoFuel.com. You can get jujitsu gear, Brazilian jujitsu gear. Yes, sir. You can yes. get that from originusa.com. You can get stuff to represent on the path at jockostore.com. Got a bunch of books I've written. You can check those out. Leadership Consulting at echelonfront.com. And on the interwebs, Echo is at Echo Charles, and I am at Jocko Willink. And Daryl Cooper is at Martyr Maid. Thanks for joining us in the deep, dark world of the underground. And until next time, this is Daryl and Echo and Jocko out.